Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Welcome to the Good Food Podcast. In this episode, Orlando Murrin sits down with Dina Mackey to discuss the food of Amman in Zanzibar, as well as Dina's culinary confessions. I went into a friend's house and I thought she had an old-fashioned kettle. And so I put it on top of her gas hob, but it was actually an electric kettle <laughs> and you know, almost blew up everything. So, Plus, Dina answers our quick-fire questions. I'm delighted to have in the studio with me today Dina Mackey. I've always wanted to meet her, and this is my opportunity. And I'm going to ask Dina to start off by telling us a bit about her cooking story and her her unusual cooking background. Yeah, it's definitely an unusual background. But firstly, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. It's great. So my cooking story is not the conventional, I went to cookery school, I wanted to get into cooking. No. Actually, when I was younger, I didn't like cooking. I didn't like being in the kitchen. Didn't like it at all? No, I didn't want to be there ever. And But I had to be in there. My mother, my grandmother were always like, come join us in the kitchen. It was just a family thing to just always be in the kitchen. So I constantly remember my aunties, friends, family always being in the kitchen. That was the hub of the home. Um, but when I was very young, I'd spend time with my grandmother, she used to cook a lot for the um, the Zanzibari royal family that lived in Portsmouth with us. I know, it's so bizarre. <laughs> so was she, was she a professional cook? She wasn't, but because she had come over from Zanzibar to live in Portsmouth with the whole community and the royal family had also moved over to Portsmouth at the same time, they all knew each other and she was always known for making some of the best food amongst the community. So she was always the one they would call up and she would never say no and she was insistent always feeding everyone. And so there was a Zanzibari community yeah, in Portsmouth. So they, is there still now? Yeah, so there's still a few now. A lot have moved back to Oman, um, but some of the older ones are still then some of the younger ones now. So yeah, it was the Zanzibari Omani community. They left Zanzibar, um, settled in Portsmouth. That was their little kind of island from another island. And yeah, they've lived there ever since. So it's, yeah, a little haven, I guess. <laughs> and so it was a family and friends type 
cooking thing and yeah. you, you were drawn in against your wishes. Yes, I was drawn in against my wishes. But I guess when I was younger, I used to enjoy just having like playing with dough or rice because I was just watching my grandmother. But as I got older, I was like, this is tedious. Why do I have to be in the kitchen? Um, and so I used to rebel against it. And especially when I went into school, I didn't want to have to cook. And I wanted to I wanted to eat the food that my friends were eating. I wanted to eat the pastas and I didn't want to eat the rice dishes and the curries and the biryanis. So um, that was like, I tried to hide myself away from food, but it wasn't until university where suddenly everyone was so curious to know about my Omani and Zanzibari heritage. But because I'd isolated myself from the food side, I didn't know as much. So then I had to introduce myself again to the food side. And that's when I started cooking. I was cooking to teach myself about my own identity. And so you started to get interested yeah. again at that point. Yeah. And so for me, it was always the food side for me was really understanding like the history of food and the anthropology and the roots and how what makes me Omani and, you know, what's that made up of? And so for me, I learned that our food is really who we are, where, where it's come from and how it got to our plates. So I was fascinated by that side. Now, you mentioned the word Zanzibar and automatically one thinks of spices. Yes. So tell me about Oman and Zanzibar and, okay. um, and what you discovered when you started to get fascinated by this rather actually wonderful background. Yeah, thank you. So um, Oman and Zanzibar used to be technically one country. It was called the Sultanate of Oman and Zanzibar. So and Zanzibar was a spice island um, and they they were kind of the hub for everyone, whether you're coming from Europe, for merchants coming from Europe, India, Iran and the Arab countries, they all centered themselves in Zanzibar. Um, where the spices are grown. Where the spices are grown, they? yeah. So yeah. we're actually known firstly for cloves. So it was actually the clove island. It was so rich in cloves for some reason and it was just growing in abundance. And then they started, because merchants were coming over for the cloves, they would then bring other things like cardamom and cinnamon. And so then everything grew there just because the climate is amazing. So everything grew perfectly. Um, so it was a hub for that, even down to some, because it's um, because there are many islands around Zanzibar. So it was, um, they had saffron on one of the other islands called Pemba. Um, so the, everything was growing. And vanilla. As yeah, well, vanilla. Think, yeah. We have loads of vanilla as well. So It sounds like the Garden of Eden where you can grow absolutely you anything. You can, I swear. Yeah. And that's what, for some reason, all the people that are from Zanzibar can still grow anything anywhere. Like my grandmother, she has such green fingers. She just takes any seed, plants it in her kitchen and suddenly it just grows. <laughs> so it's really weird. It, it follows them. Um, and then Oman, again, has a really deep maritime history. Uh, so the Portuguese uh, came into Oman in the, like the, the 17th century and so they came along with, they'd come along from India and brought along more spices and more food. So we became very, like, Oman has become very rich because of its history. So Iran is a very big influence. Um, Oman also had a part of South Iran and Baluchistan. Um, so we had lots of fresh produce coming from there, figs, pomegranates, saffron, all came from there as well. Um, and then cooking techniques as well. Dried limes are probably the most well-known thing to come out of Oman because actually those were exported from Oman out to the world and that's how dried lime actually got around the world as well. I was talking about dried limes. Someone was trying to, re couldn't find them and they were trying to replace them in a recipe and they couldn't work out what to do. And I never heard, out, heard what they did do. But the real thing is to find <laughs> dried limes, isn't yeah, it? And I do those. think, yeah. But yeah. you know what? I always say sometimes if you just take an actual, because to us dried limes actually not the lime that we know here. They're, they're our lemons. But our lemons are round and yellowy, greenish and very sweet. So then they're dried out. But here, so I always say to people, if you don't have dried limes, take a normal green lime and uh, just cut it 
it. Don't peel off the skin or anything and put it inside your recipe too because you kind of want that slight bitterness that comes from the skin. So that, that's always a good alternative. Now, I'm very excited because you have your first book coming out. Yes. Um, it's called Bahari, Recipes from an Omani Kitchen and Beyond. Yes. And is that a bringing together of all your family recipes and everything that you've learned? Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, so this is it. It was literally everything that's come out of my home, my family, but also exploring parts of Oman. So I started doing a lot of traveling around Oman to understand what everyone else was cooking. Oman is made up of so many different tribes and families that came from so many different places, but now call Oman their home. So I wanted to discover what are they cooking in the north to what they're cooking in the mountains and the desert and the south. So I started traveling around and I learned that depending on your family origins, you could be in the south of Oman and have roots from Yemen, which then affect and make things different for how you cook. So that's why we decided that it had to be and beyond, because actually it was too hard to explain what actually is Omani food without just explaining the people. Have you got lots of reportage pictures as well of the place? So many, yeah. So Wonderful. I was, so as well as the food pictures. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to have a photographer um, who came with me to And you tra- travelled around. Yeah, yeah, we travelled so around. So it's kind it's of a travel cookbook. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, a history, and history as well. So, yeah, it, it makes such a difference. It's so beautiful. How was the testing for your book? I mean, you, you, oh. you, were, you were using <laughs> recipes that you knew and yeah. loved, but, but, but did it, you find it, it arduous writing? Actually, what? this time last year, I'd taken a month off working I also told my mother to take a month off working. And what do what do you work at? And so when, so, when the, so well originally actually up until um, mid last year I was working with the Anglo Omani Society, which is a society that looks after the friendship between Oman and the UK. And so my whole life was about Oman anyway. Um, so I was doing that job and I took time out um, in January and I was like I need to test all these recipes. It was so hard. We were testing like five recipes a day in my grandmother's one bedroom flat. It was yeah. I don't know why I decided to do it in her flat. But I wanted us all to be together, so we went to her house. It was the um, hardest well, job. Did she, well, she helped you, did she? She Give did. Her well, her help was, she sometimes would come in the kitchen and her help was sitting there tasting things and judging it. And yeah. she's the worst critic. So, yeah, but it was... it was. Oh, that's good. That, that's testing, testing recipes is hard. I actually had someone, I had a chef help me who would then retest my recipes because yeah. I was really, like, not confident on... And, you know, because you have to do it as if you're doing it to someone that doesn't know how to cook at all. And that's what I was struggling with. And it was really hard trying to take measurements that my mother and grandmother had given me and trying to make sense of those in grams and mills. So, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Now, I want to ask you to home in now on your favorite dish and tell me why it's your favorite dish and what it means to you personally. Okay. You know, it's always it's an interesting question. People love to ask this question, but I think it's the hardest question. We still continue to ask it, but I think now... This dish in particular, I love it because of how it got to me, but also 
I think if I could only eat one dish for the rest of my life, I'd be happy with this dish. This is the one we're looking for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it in the book instead? Yes, it is in oh, the book as well. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it's actually that's, that's relief because otherwise we'd have to we'd have to give the ingredients at the end I know, and the right? method. So spell no, we it, save you some it, time. Spell it all out. <laughs> so um, originally, it's an Iranian dish actually called fes and June. Don't know if you're familiar fes and with June. it. No, I don't. Okay, know. so fes and June. Fes and June. Yeah. Is that all one word? Yes, one word. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So originally, it comes from the north of Iran. And it's made with uh, pomegranate molasses and fresh juice and ground walnuts, uh, which are stewed for a really, really long time. And then they usually, traditionally in the north, they would add in duck. And it's a dish that we would have to, as a, um, to celebrate and to have at weddings. And that that's where you would have it usually. But as it's transcended and come around the world, most people have it with chicken. Um, however, so my grandmother and my grandfather's side both have Iranian roots. Uh, my grandfather's family in particular came from Tehran. And they moved over to Zanzibar in the 40s and the 50s for a better life and to do what everyone else was doing in Zanzibar. And so when they came, they wanted to introduce this dish to my grandmother but they couldn't find walnuts. And the closest nut that grows in Zanzibar and in Tanzania was cashews. So they were like, okay, let's just substitute for cashews. And so they started grinding down cashews and adding that with the pomegranate and making the same dish. And at first, that's how it transcended there. But then when my, my when my grandmother came to Portsmouth, when they first came here in the 60s, they couldn't find cashews. Couldn't find cashews. Yeah, it was so hard to find. Um, so it was like, so, and if she did find it, it was super expensive. So she was like, what can I do? I, I like, And she knew that my grandfather loved it so much and she really wanted to make sure he could have it. So she bought peanut butter and started making it with peanut butter as well. And she was like, it worked perfectly. And it was it had a slightly distinct taste because of the peanut butter, but she said it was so beautiful. So I, in the book, have the cashew version, but I mention like how you can do it with peanut butter. And this is, I, I think I just love this dish. I love pomegranates anyway. I call myself the pomegranate queen. But I love this dish so much because of how it transcended from place to place. And it just shows you how food changes over the years and evolves and how it becomes part of a new culture. And I just love how they managed to adapt and adapt. And I always think, because we have everything at our dispersal like now, I always wonder, would I have thought to, you know, adapt and go, oh, let me use peanut butter? I probably would have gone into a panic and be like, I can't do this. Whereas they, they just figured it out. What's the running order of the dish? What's the kind of methodology of it? Okay, how, yeah. how, do, how, so how do we do it? And then what does it look like? And yeah. describe it, okay. make my mouth water by describing the <laughs> taste. Okay, so you want to roast your cashew nuts first. Um, just lightly roast them till they become a bit golden. And then you grind them down until they're in, into a powder form. In a, in yeah, a, into a like... A liquidizer yeah, or, a, just, or a processor yeah, or something. Yeah, like a food processor, just down. so you can get it super fine. Ideally could, super fine. Or you could do it in a pestle and mortar. But you have, be there too long. Be there too long. Yeah, yeah, you've got quite a lot of the, uh, yeah. these nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you want to grind it down. Um, if, you, if, you like, if you haven't got like a good blender that doesn't like grind it down well then I tend to just add in a bit of water a tiny bit of oil um, and then just turn it completely into a paste which is also fine to turn it into a paste so it's a bit like peanut butter yeah that's, it literally that's is happens, in, that, yeah. in that sense I mean, peanut butter is an interest, interesting ingredient yeah. I think generally because it is fairly pure apart from the salt and sugar well, this added is it. it's and, peanuts and isn't now, it yeah, so nowadays you can get such pure ones that yeah, is and perfect you can get to roasted use. ones yeah, as well yeah, yeah. which would be probably exactly a bit, I actually tried like it the other day with a roasted peanut butter and it was delicious yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so then yeah so then you grind it down or turn it into a paste 
Uh, add that into your saucepan and then you add that with uh, just some onions, like one white onion sliced up very thin. And then I just kind of saute the onions slightly so they, they sweat a bit. Then add in the cashews. Um, then I place it on to boil. So I add in some water and I leave it to boil for an hour. Um, and when you leave it, as you the, every time you come back to it, you'll notice it starts to get darker and darker in the color. Right. Um, and you're stirring occasionally. Yeah, but just, it's you don't really, yeah. No, no, no. So I keep the cover on at this okay, point. Right. Yeah. And I just leave it to boil. And then after an hour, I add in pomegranate molasses, uh, fresh pomegranate juice, and like really insistent that it's fresh. Fresh pomegranate juice. Is that where you've actually squeezed a pomegranate or the because you can get it in uh, yeah, a bottle? Yeah, so you can't can. You? There's, and there's very few places to find like the bo- the fresh bottled one. But if you can get the fresh bottled, I just do it. It's you could very delicious. It, it's it like is. Very expensive but it should yes. be shouldn't it yeah, because yeah, yeah. you don't get that much juice no right. you don't so how many pomegranates are you squeezing but if you're squeezing them yourself self? i'd probably say at least like two to three so yeah. yeah yeah so then you squeeze in all the juice um you have the molasses add that in i also add in a couple of tablespoons of dark brown sugar um and then there's what i love about this is it literally requires like no spices so the traditional version just adds salt that's and pepper a bit, that's a bit ironic it's isn't so it ironic. we're on the spice to, island and we're not adding any spices it's, it's crazy <laughs> like and i'm always like oh should i but it's the one dish you don't want to like manipulate with spices um so it's just salt and pepper we add in a tiny bit of turmeric as well um and then you just leave it to boil so then you just leave that again to kind of stew together and boil and it's getting a little bit thicker all the yeah, time so it's getting slightly it? thicker so at this point i kind of leave the lid off it's getting slightly thicker and then i add in my chicken and i leave that to the chicken isn't cooked chicken isn't cooked so then you add in to boil inside and is it uh a chicken breast or... no so i like to do i try i tend to get like a whole chicken and cut it up so that yeah. i can have it on I want the bone. I want the stock. I find the stock super important. Yeah. yeah. So, so you put the all the pieces of chicken. Yeah. Go in so there. all the pieces of chicken go People in there. People are frightened of um, cutting up a chicken, but actually, it's it's, it's not right. very difficult. I, I know that there are tutorials on BBC Good Food, which yeah. videos which just show you how to do it. It's only about four or five cuts. Yeah. But this it, is it. I think once you've done it once, once you have a sharp knife. You're sharp, good to sharp go. knife. Yeah, and pay attention. So I've got my chicken in now or or yeah. my duck. And you would do this the duck would be same the same. Same method. Principle. Exactly. Yeah. It's the exact, yeah. same principle. Yeah. You can also make this like into a veggie version as well. Just add in your vegetables instead. Right. Um and then I would probably add in some like veggie stock because I think the essence of this is the fact that when the, the stock flavour and the pomegranate and cashew nuts come together, that's like the synergy that I really love from the flavour. So I yeah. think it's super important to kind of have that stock. So you stir all that together yeah. and then how long would you cook that for? Typically? So then I'd probably leave it, I leave it for like another 45 minutes. I actually wait for the, the, the chicken to completely almost fall off the bone. Yeah. Um, that's how I love it. And, also and I want the skin it to be is still on thick. the chicken, presumably. Uh, so I don't have the skin on my chicken. I don't enjoy it. But oh. you can. It's yeah. totally fine. Um, but because I'm not like frying the chicken before, I don't really just like having It's never going to be crisp or golden, no, is it? No, exactly. So, so you can just, just get rid of it. kind of wet skin isn't it yeah. right okay yeah. so then um i just kind of leave it to thicken so it becomes like a thick stew curry um and then i serve that with a saffron rice which you make by by so i just boil some saffron rice i like to add ghee into my rice because it makes it very buttery so you add the saffron to the rice when boiling it yes but with, yeah. with my saffron i always take the saffron put it in a pestle and mortar add a tiny bit of boiling water along with a teaspoon of sugar so first i blend the i with the pestle and water, I blend the sugar and the saffron together and it becomes um, like into powder form. And that actually makes the saffron go further. Right. Um, and then I pour a bit of um, boiling water over it, leave that 
for a little bit and then I add it into the water where the rice is boiling. Wonderful. So the dish is thickened and it's all yeah. rich and, and lovely and it's served with the rice. Anything sprinkled on top or anything like so that? So I always sprinkle fresh pomegranates on top. I think it really, just that little burst of the seeds in your mouth. Is, no herbs or anything? No herbs. It's no. just completely on its own. But the way to know that you've had a good June is that when you leave it in the saucepan, you should kind of see like a layer of fat form on the top. And that's, again, from the nuts releasing their fat as well as your meat as well. So, yeah, that's that's a good sign of a good June. Do you know, I've heard that. I did a, a podcast with an Indian cook who told me that, that you want a little yeah. disc of fat at the top. And, yeah. you know, don't beat don't, yourself yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. This is actually what's it's, meant it's to good. happen. And, it, and don't panic and don't try and remove it. Yeah, no, it's so good. But And you would stir it in. Yeah, would yeah. You? When, or, when you yeah. go to serve, you just stir it in and then you don't even notice it once it's, yeah. And is this a party dish or a family dish or a Sunday lunch dish? I would say... I like to have this because it takes quite a while in terms of like how curries go. Curries tend to be a lot quicker. But because this takes quite a long time, I try and I try and keep it to special things or like when people are coming over because I think it's such a special dish to me at least that I love that. And actually originally in Iran that's how it was used. It was a celebratory dish. It was a, um, a yeah. festival yeah, dish. Yeah, 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 you wouldn't yeah. just have it. And in Iran would it be part of a selection of dishes? Because, yeah, 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 especially so you, yeah. So you'd have lots of things on the table. Yes. And then with this, say you've got some friends coming around, would you serve a salad with it? Yeah, or? yeah. So I always like to make some salads on the side. One salad. Some salads, so m- multiple, multiple salads. Multiple different ones, yeah. One salad I really like to have on the side. Is like, would you choose, do you go by colour? Some Would you want different colours or is it not? Like- I like colour. So any salad I make, I will always add in different fruits and things just to kind of brighten it up because I just love seeing colour in things. So yeah. that that's really important. Hence why I actually also the fresh pomegranates on top of the curry are really important for me because I want to see some elements of colour. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. brighten it. Yeah, right yeah, up yeah. Because the other colours... Yeah, because the other colours are just slightly darker. So you want something to just kind of lift it. I had lunch yesterday at Jamie Oliver's restaurant in Covent Garden and oh, he lovely. had found the most amazing colour coloured salad leaves. Oh, it was really? like it was like a flower arrangement coming <laughs> to the table. I couldn't believe they tasted great as well, but they were bitter leaves, but they were oh, nice. pink, orange and green. It was like a oh, kaleidoscope. We must find out where he got them from, <laughs> yeah. mustn't we? Need those. And do you do much entertaining? Oh, well, do you know what? I like to. And my family love to come together as well all the time. And I try and do it for friends, but it's so tiring. It's really tiring. (laughs) I like, and and I go into this like massive panic and I start stressing. So even if it's for people I know, I just go into this panic. So if I told someone to come over on Saturday, I'm like preparing from Monday. So then my whole week goes out the window because I have no clue of having how to prepare properly and how to not give yourself difficult dishes to do. So... I do it once in a while, but I'd rather just go to someone's house and bring some food with me oh. and let them do the entertaining and I just bring some food. I think there are lots of perils of being a food writer that that we find. And yeah. one of them is that we we if people come to eat with us, they do expect something yeah. amazing, don't they? They do. So you have to kind of do it. You, you can't deliver. You can't yeah, just you can't. Can't yeah, give not it half bother, up. can you? You can try and find something really clever and simple. Yeah. But you still have to make an effort, no, you don't do. you? Yeah. But then on the other hand, Dina, when you go out to dinner, I bet people go crazy to make sure that they give you their yeah, best they do. dishes, They're always don't worried. They? They're like, yeah. oh, I'm so They're worried because you're coming to eat. I'm like, no, just cook me something. I'm grateful because I'm always cooking. So it's actually nice just for anyone to cook me anything. Like, I'm more than happy. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. And it doesn't, I know it'll be lovely because people really cook very well. Yeah. And if they if they invite you to their house, they're going to make it eatable, aren't they? Exactly. So that's, it's nice. And it's 
always interesting eating yeah. someone else's food no, it because is. they always season it differently. Do you have any Iranian shops or Omani? Are there any Omani food shops no, in London? So they used to. There's no. an opportunity knocking at our door. Do you not? not even an Omani restaurant, but that's because the Omani is a really small population. The Omani is only like three million people. And once they study and they've worked abroad, they all want to go back home to Oman. They just love the weather. They love how chilled out it is. And it's a beautiful place. Um, so there used to be an Omani restaurant in Cardiff, which just recently closed down because there was an Omani guy living there with his kids and his kids were studying. He's like, okay, I miss home. I'm going to open up a restaurant. So that was there for a long time. It's just closed down recently. So now we don't have. So that's why I try and once in a while do supper clubs and events where I can actually feed people our food. And so you go, do you do that at home or do you go to their, their house? So supper clubs, I try, I try and find venues. I've wanted to do it at home. I've just then I realized how stressful that would be <laughs> having loads of people in my house. Um, so I tend to go to other people's houses or I find venues around London where I can just pop up and do something. I have never really done a supper club and I would be pe- petrified it's of them because lot. of the unknown quantities of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm uh, very bad cooking in a difficult place with an oven that, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. work and yeah, things that go wrong. But they're enormously popular. <laughs> they're and, so popular and it's a brilliant way to learn about new food as well. Yeah, I highly recommend. Now, I want to ask you some questions that we always ask our okay. podcast. <laughs> and you can be, I'd like you to be frank with me. Your biggest cooking disaster. Oh, I've, do you know what? I think I've had many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really clumsy and forgetful You put yourself down. I don't think you can be clumsy <laughs> and forgetful. I've, uh, I've done some really silly things. Okay, so I remember when I first started cooking, I didn't realise you had to boil potatoes for a potato salad. So I remember like having a dinner and giving everyone potato salad. That must be heart. quite crisp. Yeah, it, oh, everyone was like, Dina, what is this? They couldn't even get their fork in the potato. It's also, it's also um, poisonous. You know, you can't really? eat. You can't eat raw potatoes no they didn't eat them did they <laughs> no they didn't luckily everyone survived still got that. some friends yeah and um what else have i oh i do things wrong every single day i do know that i went into a friend's house and i thought she had an old-fashioned kettle and so i put it on top of her gas hob but it was actually an electric kettle <laughs> and you know almost blew up everything so I'm not actually that great when it comes to being in the kitchen I'm a safety hazard so shouldn't let me in they're really bad disasters yeah, that yeah, you've they, done. I know yeah, I know yeah. I don't have mediums by the way I'm sure someone's going to uh, write in and say that potatoes aren't poisonous yeah. it's definitely not recommended to eat or serve okay at least I know that now <laughs> Okay, here's our next question. Have you ever served something ready-made and pretended you made it yourself? Oh, do you know what? I think I actually have done this. And I'm trying to think what I've done. I, I think I've done it one too many times. I tell you what it was. And remember, this is going public. Tina. I know. It's really going to out me, isn't it? <laughs> so I went through this phase where I thought I could bake cakes and make them look beautiful. So a friend of mine was working for a shoe store and it was opening up and they really needed to have it. They're having a big event and they wanted a cake that looks like a trainer. And so she came to me. And I was like, yes, I can do it. And I say yes to everything, which is really bad as well. And I was like, I can make this. And I was like, yeah, it's so easy. So I went on to, I was looking on YouTube, whatever I could to figure out how to make a trainer. And it had to be a very detailed trainer. And I think what a particular make of trainer? Yeah, a particular style of their one of their trainers, particular colours with what, the whole with laces. Air, yeah, oh, yeah, for crying the, out loud! With the whole airbrushing, <laughs> and I thought I could airbrushing. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> because my mum was really good at like with like clay and things. So I thought, oh, if she can play with clay, then it's going to be easy on a cake. It was an absolute disaster. So I had to like find some amazing cake guru woman, and I begged her. I was like, please, just make this cake for me. She made it, and then I handed it over to the store, and I was like, this is mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I do you know what? I don't even think my friends knows. I'm not sending her this episode. <laughs> and it wasn't too good. The the the, the professional version. It wasn't no, too good. No, it was to be amazing. True. It was. It was, no, it was. And so they thought I was, I was like, sorry, I'm giving up this career. I can't make cakes anymore. <laughs> It's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good confession. Um, and your guilty pleasure, Dina. What's oh, your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Oh, I have some. I think I have strange guilty pleasures. Oh, multiple guilty pleasures. Yeah, like there's multiple <laughs> and different scenarios. It really depends on my mood. So I have this. It's really bad. I have this thing where I like to take um, salty butter and mix it with sugar, like you're about to bake a cake. But I don't bake the cake. I just eat. The sh- oh, <laughs> I just eat lovely. it. Oh, lovely. So it's a bit like cake mixture before it's, you. Yeah, so yeah, just like, yeah. But it's just the butter and the sugar. So that's one very. That's gu- marvelous. I, I know it's such yeah. a guilty habit. And just on a spoon. Just on a spoon. Not spread on no, anything. No, it's great. But if I were to spread it on anything, I would take one of my. Oh, one of my. And now I really fancy it. Is uh, butter again, salty butter on a piece of bread, white bread with condensed milk. Oh, yeah. All over it. That's yeah. very nice. I could do with that right now. I'm not gonna... <laughs> um, um, it'll be waiting for you outside the studio. <laughs> the Good Food team will be whisking that up <laughs> as we speak. Now, I've got quick fire questions that you're not allowed to think about. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> your least favourite kitchen job? Cleaning. <laughs> your favourite kitchen job? Oh, eating. <laughs> <laughs> what does your perfect sandwich have in it? Oh, okay. It has salty butter. It has cucumber. It has chili sauce, and it has salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> it's a really bad sandwich. <laughs> that was a sharp intake of breath. The best kitchen tip you've ever been given. Oh, I, I don't apply it, but clean up as you go along. <laughs> but it's not the best kitchen tip no. you've ever been given, is it? Really, <laughs> doesn't work. And well, the next question is: Do you always clean up after no, you cook? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Your most trusted recipe? My most trusted? I think the Fest in June. Good choice. Your most overrated food? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Worst thing you've ever eaten? Worst thing I've ever eaten? Mint jelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can't stand mm, it. <laughs> it's vile, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> One food your family can't get on board with, but you love? Pomegranates, because they don't want to peel them. Ultimate comfort food? Rice. And last question. Oh, this is the one that gives us a warm glow. What makes you optimistic for the future? Oh, just cooking for people. That's lovely. Yeah. Dina, I could spend the whole day in the studio (laughs) with you. I've loved talking to you. And I wish you every great success debut cookbook. It's lovely to meet you. And you uh, you won't my eyes to a new sort of cooking, which I'm going to experiment with with the greatest pleasure. So thank you so much for coming in and talking to good food. And uh, we hope to see you again one day. Yes, definitely. Come back. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Food Podcast. Join us next week when Malika Bazou will be speaking with Callum Harris about how his vegan journey began and how he keeps his vegan diet exciting. Don't forget, our bonus cook-along episode is out on Thursday. For more recipes and inspiration, please visit bbcgoodfood.com.